Welcome in Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. J.J. Jerez here, Arif Dean, to break down the latest and greatest from the Colorado Avalanche. Two wins in a row, Arif. One by the score of 7 to nothing, the other by the score of 6-3. to three. Here we sit, game 42, just beyond halfway point in the season. Are the Avalanche back? Did they right the ship? I think so. I mean, look, like let's let's call it what it is. The the idea of overreacting to losses and overreacting to wins is something that you have to kind of toe the line and make sure you don't do a lot of it. But the Chicago game was the appropriate time to finally say the Avalanche are struggling and there is an issue here. And that's exactly what we did. We waited until that game. A lot of people waited until that game. But here they are. And Evan Rodriguez even mentioned it today. It was kind of a wake-up call for them. Here we are now talking about two consecutive games where the Avalanche have won in regulation, outscoring the opposition 13-3. to In the previous five games that they were 1-4, they had 12 goals. They have 13 in the last two. They've only given up three. And they've won consecutive games in regulation for the first time in over two months. I genuinely can say, yes, the Avalanche are back. It's interesting because after the Ottawa win, right, we heard Jared Bednar say that he didn't really think that they played a bad game in Chicago, which I'm like, all right, I I can see that. I'll buy it. Because you look all the way back to that Florida loss and that third period where they really put it on to Florida. And afterward, we heard heard some of the guys saying, that's a a style game we want to play. We need to stick to some of those, take the goods out of that third period, and carry them over into what we're doing now. I think they were kind of able to do it. The scoreboard didn't say it. um, But they were kind of able to carry it to Chicago, but obviously able to carry that momentum to uh, the Ottawa game and, of course, today against Detroit. So I think it builds all the way back from that Florida game, right? I know the Chicago loss was tough. Yeah. But... From about a week ago now, you can say they've been playing better hockey. They've been showing glimpses of themselves, especially the last two games here, glimpses of themselves. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Nathan McKinnon said it perfectly when you know I asked him about the fact that they finally got that scoring surge, and he said, I feel like we weren't playing great before, but it seemed like everything that could go wrong was we've turned around the last couple games. And it ultimately, like, it... it actually is true like yes the avalanche were one and four in their previous five games yes they were on that what one six and one one seven one stretch whatever it was and the only victory was a come from behind overtime victory against edmonton like you could have lost that game too but along the way you you could really notice that like the bounces weren't going their way a lot of pucks were uh a lot of goals were getting called back a lot of pucks were hitting posts it just seemed like like mckinnon said everything that could go wrong was And sometimes that damn puck luck thing is such a real thing that you need. And the Avalanche seem to have it here lately, and and it's helped them. I mean, look, you scored 13 goals. You got a power play goal from each of your units today. Um, You're starting to feel a little bit healthier. Yes, you've lost Darren Helm, but getting Nachushkin and Rodriguez back over the last stretch of games, you're starting to realize who you are as a team and what you can do. There are clear depth issues there when you go past the top nine forwards and past the top four defensemen. Well, I would even say five defensemen because I think Brad Hunt is starting to play a little better. Um, But you're starting to figure out that you are that same team that you know you could be. You and I discussed the goal support in the last week. I'm not sure exactly which podcast. They all kind of jumbled together. But um, let's look at the goal support in these last two victories, right? You had two goals from Rantanen, two goals from Kale today, two goals from Nathan McKinnon today. Those are the guys we expect. Those are the guys we talked about. Hey, those are going to be there to produce for you. They're going to bring points to the board. But you also had two goals from Lekkanen in the Ottawa game. And one today. He's got And one today. Two goals from Newhook uh, in the Ottawa game. You also had one from JT Comfer. And one from 
uh, like it in today, like you said. Brad Hunt. So, Brad Hunt also had one against uh, Ottawa. Yeah, we're losing track of the goals. Yeah, here. you're right. Yeah. Yep. Because it was. You snuck that one in. Yeah, because it was two for Miko, two for Kale. No, sorry, two for Miko, two for Lekkanen, two for Newhook, New and one for Hunt. Yep. Yeah, so just a lot of goal scoring. And, and you know, on top of that, you're also getting points from, you know, other guys. Devon Taves, I know he's still on pace for 46 points in a full season, but it's a little bit of a step back from where he was last year. He had two assists today. Sam Gerrard had one point in each of the last two games. He's got five in his last six games, Sam Gerrard. He had a point in every single game except for Chicago over the last six, and that's somebody that's been struggling to put up points. And then, obviously, the JT Comfort goal, he also had an assist. Mm -hmm. Evan Rodriguez, quietly right now, has nine consecutive games with a point. And I hate to say it the way the NHL does, but it's not a nine-game point streak because he missed a week in between. His last nine games dating back to the Toronto game on December 31st, Evan Rodriguez has a point in each of those, at least a point. And he had two assists today, two exceptional passes, one to JT, one to Nate. Doesn't matter who you put with him, the guy figures a way to find space for his centerman and really make some nice plays. So you're starting to see that production come from all over the lineup. And in his first game back today, Val Nichushkin also got an assist. Yeah, I was just about to say, Val Nichushkin definitely showing his value today. But I would argue in these last two victories, even in the last two losses, previous two losses, Evan Rodriguez has been Colorado's most important player because they're at a point where they didn't have anybody to fill that slot. They didn't have anybody to play with Nathan McKinnon. So Jared Bednar rolled the dice, said, I'm going to throw this guy with the high hockey IQ, the big smarts, the 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 right decisions to make good plays, and I'm going to put him with Nathan McKinnon and see how it goes, and it's been great. So I think Evan Rodriguez's play the last couple games has been an X factor, a, a game breaker for the Avalanche and really kind of helped keep him afloat there. His ability to play center and wing makes him such a valuable asset to this team because he could be your third-line defensive center, but he could also be your top-line offensive winger, and it just gives him this extra bit of value to the team that they haven't had in a player like that because, you know, let's use the example of who we said he would replace back in the offseason of Andre Burakovsky. Great goal scorer, but he does one thing. He scores goals and he does a damn good job at it. Rodriguez gives you a little more. So I'll ask you this question, but this is a better all-star break, bye week conversation. So I'll just keep it to a one-word answer. If you had the choice to pick one right now, who resigns in the summer, JT Confer, Evan Rodriguez, who would you say? Evan Rodriguez. There's a debate to be had there. I think I agree with you, but it's just just food for thought. It just came to mind right now, and it's something that we can talk more about during that bye week. But that you know, these are two pending UFAs that bring different things to the lineup. But I'm not sure JT Confer can jump into the first line and contribute the way Evan Rodriguez has. It's well, like he yeah, hasn't missed a beat. Yeah, Rodriguez has already had a 40 point season, and he's on his way to another one. JT's never done that before, even though he's on his way. So it's just something to keep in mind because JT's got the better defensive abilities, but. Again, like having Rodriguez has given them the ability to do that. It's given them the ability to play them on the top line where it makes sense. You have somebody to play with with Nate and Lekkinen without making it look ridiculous. Like you're not putting, you know, Ben Myers on the top line just to split up Nate and Miko and spread the scoring. You're putting somebody that makes sense up there. And then with Nachushkin's return, you have Nachushkin, Rantanen, and Comfer. You suddenly have a good second line. And then you have Newhook back at center because he's been picking it up the last couple games or last three games, I should say. And now you have Newhook playing between Cogliano and O'Connor. So it's a really good uh, addition to the team or, or a really good piece to have on the team in Evan Rodriguez because he can do what the Avalanche have done. And with that, in each of the last two games, Jared Bednar has iced 11 forwards, right? Your thoughts yep. on Jared Bednar going with 11. Obviously, it's worked. I don't think it's my favorite strategy, and it's just kind of what he has to use right now. But, um, yeah, I guess what 
What have you taken away from the last two games of using 11? I think what Jared said when he was asked that question after the Ottawa Senators victory was absolutely spot on. What's the point of playing Jacob McDonald as a 12th forward so that he can play tw uh, two or three or four minutes when you can put in another defenseman and take away a little bit of a workload off of McCarr and McKinnon? Or, sorry, uh, McCarr and Taves. Like, it ultimately is the truth because... Anton Bleed and uh, Ben Myers, those were your 10th and 11th forwards today. Anton Bleed played 8.02, Ben Myers played 9.08, and they had a lot of minutes in the third period because once again, the Avs were able to rest their top guys a bit. So, uh, fun fact, Kel McCarr, 19 minutes, 39 seconds. First time under 20 this season. Healthy, healthy yes. minutes right there. Hell yeah, it's so damn good to see that. Nathan McKinnon, 20.09, Miko, 21, Lekkinen, 20, Devon Taves, 20. Just, just 18.54 for Nachushkin. But yeah, like, what's the point of playing that 12 forward if he's not going to give you much when England is going to give you more on defense than McDonald or, or Cow or whoever Ranta is going to give you at forward? So it's not a good long-term approach. The Avalanche are going to go into this deadline, and I think with the fact that there is a little bit of an ask there to get some quality of a second-line center or a top you know, forward, there's also something to be said about the Avalanche going out and getting quantity. Go get two, three, four other guys that can give you Nico Sturm, Nicholas Abe Kubel type of minutes, Darren Helm if his season, you know, is over or, or, or close to being over, whatever, you know, you want to speculate there. Go out and get two, three, four of those guys because you need quantity right now as much as you need a quality forward. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I guess w without jumping, you know, to crazy conclusions, what would you say you attribute these last two victories to what went right for the avalanche because not only did they get two wins but they did them in they look like down last fashion, year's avalanche right yeah exactly it looked like la last year's avalanche 100 percent. and just seeing that amount of goal scoring and that amount of uh just putting your foot on the throat and not taking it off that's something we've missed and yeah. we have seen so what what do you attribute that to what changed in their game in the last it seems week? silly but how many times over the last couple of weeks did I say something along the lines of, or even you said it at one point of like, they look like they're about to have that breakout game. This is the type of game that's going to get them over the hump. This is the type of game. I always thought it was going to, you know, you, you scrap out a three to two victory over Edmonton. And I say that loosely because they outshot them, what, 46 to 30. You get a big win over the Edmonton Oilers. In my brain, it's like, all right, you were trailing two nothing. You came back. Connor McDavid lost to Kale McCarr in overtime that's the game that's going to change the tune of this team, and they're going to come out the next game guns blazing. I always thought it was going to come after a victory. I didn't fathom in my mind, and it does make sense. You lose to the last place team in the NHL, and that's the wake-up call. It comes after a loss where enough is enough. It's not after a victory where you're like, all right, we did something good there. Now let's go explode. Um, and ultimately, I think it, it's it's that's what you attribute it to. It's This team was looking for that first game to break out, and they got it. And, and, you know, it just so happened poor Ottawa Senators had to be the team to face them when it happens. I see the Avalanche letting go a little bit, maybe taking a step back and just not overthinking the game, right? Last game against Ottawa, I pointed this out on Twitter. I said it looks like the Avalanche are just going north, 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 north. It was refreshing to hear it in today's locker room from Evan Rodriguez and Jared Bednar. Hey, we've tried to play more north. Stop over, stop overthinking because we're not necessarily on the same page when we start heading east-west. So I think they just simplified their game. They just said, let's just send the puck forward. Let's use our speed like we're known to do. We have a lot of speed on this team. Let's use it and just get pucks to the net. Don't overthink it. Don't overpass. Don't overcue anything. Just play the game. And that's kind of what we called for on the last podcast. 
a little simplification, a little less overthinking, and I think that's what put the puck on net. Put, put the, the puck, puck on, on net. net. Don't force the north. shots. Use the speed. Yeah. I've there also- was there was a play early in the Ottawa game. Uh, it was still zero zero, and Evan Rodriguez was coming up the wing, or no, sorry, not coming up the wing. He was coming up from the hash mark, and he gets into the circle, and he's got a clear shot, and he forces a pass kind of on a backward angle to to Nathan McKinnon, and it just bounces to center ice. And that was the exact mm-hmm. type of play that you see teams that are gripping their sticks too tight making. It's exactly what I wrote in the Ottawa story. And then just a couple moments later, uh, who scored the first goal against Ottawa? It was Miko, I believe. It was Miko. Yeah, he comes in down the wing and just puts it on goal and scores. And then Cogliano battles for a puck, kind of shovels it to center ice, and Alex Newhook just goes right into it and scores. Miko ran in second period, comes up the other circle, shoots the puck, scores. Kale McCarr, we saw him do something similar today. Dipsy Doodle, shoot the puck, score. Just get the damn puck on goal, and good things happen when you're this skilled of a team. Don't try to force the cute plays. Simplify things, and when you're this good of a team, your simplification still looks beautiful. It's good hockey because you're such a skilled team. I've also noticed the play on their on the boards has really been sharp from the Avalanche. They've been using a little bit of, uh, I guess, outwitting the team, right? A little bit of deception, if you will, and uh, just winning pucks on the boards that I think necessarily Earlier in the season, you wouldn't necessarily see him win, and that Cogliano play that you're referring to was exactly that. Yeah. First, he reads the play, a, breaks it a, up in the middle, goes and and wins the puck back out on the boards. What a veteran play that was! He battled his ass off for that puck, and it was the exact type of thing you see from you know guys like Cogliano and O'Connor. It's those veterans are going to do what they do. I know Cogl- O'Connor's not the same type of veteran as Cogliano is in this league, but. Those are the types of plays that you expect from your guys that are going to play those roles, and that's what Cagliano brought. Let's get to the goaltending, Arif. Um, Pavel Francouz coming in at kind of when they needed him most, right? Alexander Georgiev getting a little tired. He wouldn't admit it, but the results were kind of proving to be so. I mean, maybe not proving that he was tired, but definitely helps the case. So your thoughts on Pavel Francouz's game? Obviously, one shutout, 7 nothing, almost gets a shutout. You felt like another shutout was coming against Detroit course five to one late in the second period and you know a couple more goals trickle in past Pablo Francouz but I feel like he's looked amazing yeah he's looked fantastic and I love what Jared said I know it you know the Red Wings scored three goals and they had 29 shots in the grand scheme of things he doesn't even have a 900 save percentage he misses it by a save uh but timely saves when you look at the big picture exactly that the Red Wings came out flying the Avalanche came out flying they were exchanging chances it was a very high event first period it was entertaining I tweeted it a couple times this is a fun game Mm -hmm. it genuinely was a fun game until late in the third when you know Colorado took their foot off the pedal and Detroit was defeated but throughout the first and second it was fun high-paced high event offensive style hockey and there was quite a few chances early in the first period that the Red Wings could have scored on and Pavel made two three four big saves and those two or three or four saves were paramount in the Avalanche coming out and scoring the first goal again, coming out to a 2 to nothing lead in the first period again, something they struggled to do before these two games. So what Jared said is exactly what's true. Despite them scoring three goals, 29 shots, whatever, he said Pavel Francouz was fantastic, and I agree. He made the saves when he needed. The Avalanche built a 5 to nothing lead, and Jared even admitted he didn't like the way they took their foot off the pedal at the end and ended up winning only 6-3. to three. But when you have a 5-0 lead, it's a pretty damn big lead, and it was 5-0 because of their goalie. And interesting, too, Pavel Francis says he doesn't necessarily love going into games without a pregame skate. 
and he's had to do so in both of these last victories. Yep. So um, another unique thing about his game that I think has really helped him out is early on he's make, making those big saves. I don't know what's going on, but the Avalanche are kind of losing the guy back door every once in a while. Yeah. Luckily, Pavel Francouz, he's attacking those really hard and you know, squaring up the way he needs to be and usually ending up in his glove. But those big saves are helping him gain that confidence early. And, you know, it's there's nothing better than making those early saves to help carry you on the rest of the night. So um, nice to see Pablo Francouz back and nice to feel like the Avalanche can finally go back to a little more healthy rotation with the goaltenders because I think it's Alexander Georgiev's turn to kind of write his own ship yep. and make a statement of his own. Well, you know, you and I, there was that episode we had Peter on a couple of weeks ago when I said that, you know, Georgie looks tired. Alexander Georgiev looks tired. And Peter said, you can't say that. You can't say he's tired because we don't know. And I wholeheartedly agree with what he said. But then Jared said something after the Ottawa game that made a little bit more sense. That Georgie needed a mental break. It was good for him to sit on the bench and know that the team's results isn't going to live or die with his game. Sit back and just enjoy some hockey for a little bit. And like you said, they got Pavel back at the perfect timing. I don't think Georgie's a bad goalie. I don't think he was you know, having a bad stretch that is going to define who he is as a goalie this season. But I think he was being a little bit mentally overplayed given the way the Avalanche's season has gone. He needed a little bit of a break and he's got it here. I don't know if he's going to play against Vancouver or Calgary, but you got Calgary and then you got a back-to-back with Seattle and Vancouver. He's sure as hell going to get a game here over the next week. And, uh, you know, he's going to be a little bit more fresh than he was starting the previous 12. Indeed. Indeed. Um, I guess last thing I really want to get to is Anton Bleed, right? I know he didn't make much of a of a impression today. He didn't really do anything at all. Eight minutes and two seconds of ice time. But it was uh, who they sent down that I found more curious, right? Getting Martin Kaut back um, in an Eagles lineup. I think that's very telling and um, unfortunate for Martin Kaut. And who else did they send? Sampo Ranta. Sampo Ranta with him. I mean, he only got one Sampo game. Sampo Ranta came and went with a whimper. Like, it was... <laughs> he got penalties kind of yeah. early. And yeah. The only time I, I noticed Ranta in the game against Ottawa was when he got a penalty. And mm-hmm. Like, I genuinely, I'm not trying to sound like a smartass, was like, oh, yeah, he's in the lineup. Yeah. So, it says a lot to me that, look, when the Avalanche, and this is something that we asked, Jer- I asked Jared exactly the specific question back in September. I said, the additions of Lucas Sedlak on Anton Bleed. Are those in your brain the kind of guys that you can see replacing the roles of Nicholas Abe Kubel and Nico Sturm? And he said, yes, that's the idea. Well, they went over two. Like, they went over two. Lucas Sedlak ended up getting claimed by Philadelphia. He's out of the NHL now. He terminated his contract. Uh, he ended up leaving the Flyers organization. So he's yeah. done. Anton Bleed's not giving you anything. So they went over two there, which is why I just said they need a little bit of quantity as well as quality at the deadline because you need bodies to play. But on top of that, it's very telling to me that they would play Anton Bleed, not just ahead of Martin Count and Sampo Ranta, but they didn't call up somebody like Alex Galchenyuk either. So this tells you all you need to know about the Avalanche's death right now. Without Helm, without Landeskog, or sorry, with Helm and with Landeskog, and you put both of those in the lineup, you're still going to have an anchor there of someone like Ben Myers who isn't giving you what you want. So you're still only 11 good forwards ready for the Stanley Cup final rather than what they had last year in 14. So uh, it is very telling that Anton Bleed played today, um, but it also says to me that the deadline is going to be a place where the Avalanche got Like, just go out and trade for guys like Morgan Frost from the Philadelphia Flyers, Adam Ernie, who we saw playing with the Red Wings tonight. Like, just guys like that. Get some bodies in the lineup that you know could be guys when you need guys to play. Right. It's pretty pretty evident that they've fallen out of love with Martin Kaut. Um, I don't know. Maybe we should change the name of the podcast to 
Jared Bednar said podcast. I asked Jared Bednar and he said, <laughs> I remember somebody kind of came at me for that one. So we don't <laughs> care what you ask Jared. I'm like, but it fits with the conversation. Look, we, we in Denver, I don't know how many coaches, co- coaches press conferences you guys watch for other teams. But we in Denver are fortunate to have to have Jared because he'll give you a lot of information. He loves to talk hockey. Uh, there, and I'm not even just talking about John Tortorella, who likes to get a little you know weird with the post gamers. But there's a lot of other coaches that every one of their scrums is 90 seconds, minute and a half, two minutes, two and a half minutes. They just don't give you much to work with. Jared always gives you something to talk about because he genuinely loves talking hockey. Yep, what a great game, and uh, good to see the Avalanche back in the win column, especially in 2023. I was wondering if we were going to go all 2023 without a win. (laughs) Um, Real quick, guys, everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know that they deliver? Did you know they have curbside pickup available? And did you know they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. I know if I was hanging out in Thornton, I'd probably want a beverage of my own. <laughs> shots fired, shots fired. Sorry, all you Thornton listeners out there. Um, also, don't forget about Superbook Sports, guys. Add this to your New Year's resolutions. Win money in 2023 with Superbook Sports. Superbook has over three decades of sports wagering experience in Las Vegas, so you'll get the best odds anywhere as we head into the football playoffs. Plus, check out their special odds boosts and promotions at Superbook.com. Make 2023 the year where you win money from Vegas. Download the Superbook Sports app now. And place your bets. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Eric, I've been getting my butt kicked in <laughs> yeah. betting lately. I have heard. Absolutely Trust me, I've kicked. Heard. I got to stop trying to hit home run parlays and just go for the sure things, right? A little yep. bit of money is better simplify than no money. Simplify things. That's how the Avs are winning their games. You got to simplify your plays. Good point. Good point. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned at the top of the show, today was game 42. So one game beyond halfway point. So I figured it would be a great time for us to visit the halfway mark and kind of look back at the first half of the season that was and, you know, kind of get some thoughts and assessments. So I guess to begin, Arif, let's just throw Real quick, p- real quick, before okay. we start this segment, uh, I don't remember, did you mention earlier that we were doing a podcast no. live at Ball no, Arena? Okay, so we are live at Ball Arena. I'm sure you guys have heard the background noise. Uh we're sitting here. Uh, John Michael Lyles is out on the ice along with... I see John uh, Mitchell. John Mitchell's out there, and it's a whole bunch of these uh, older alumni guys, and I'm guessing some of their buddies as well, and they're playing a game of beer league hockey, which is why you hear the haze and the hose going on. But there was a number 25 Stastny jersey, and I'm trying to figure out if that's one of his uncles or if Jan Stastny decided he now lives in Denver or just a fan who got the number wrong. I don't know. But there was a number 25 jersey out there that has Stastny on the back. And I have no idea who it is. Because it's not Paul. He's playing in Carolina. And he wore 26 here. So, a little interesting there. But Agreed. It's a good mixture of guys who can skate yeah. and guys who can't really yeah. at all. There's a number 9 jersey out there that says alumni on the back. So, that could be anyone. And I do recognize this goalie here in net. That's Nick Goulet. Michelle Goulet's son. Right here in the top net. Oh, yeah. interesting. The burgundy goalie here. There's a goalie at the other end wearing one of those old-school Patrick Wall-looking helmets, uh, number that's 35. That's what I'm talking about. That's, oh, that's the guy. I thought you were talking about this little guy no. over here. No, the big guy. Nick Goulet is like 6'4". Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Kyle Quincy's out there right now carrying the puck. So just a, it's, a, it's a really fascinating. It keeps distracting us, but 
It gives us something to watch. I yeah. love it. Hey, a little better than snowblower guy from last year, <laughs> so I'll take it. Yeah, snowblower guy, leaf blower, leaf blower leaf guy, blower. blowing pom poms around. Leaf blower guy. All right, we've derailed. Let's get back on track. The All season right. that was, Arif, or the half season, I guess you can say. Um, I was gonna throw you a softball to start the conversation and see where it takes us from there, but um, I guess just biggest storylines. Biggest surprises, maybe biggest disappointments that yep. have happened in the first half of the season for you? Uh, you want to start with the surprises or the disappointments? Let's start with the surprises. Just, I want to what stands out to you the most. If you were to rank it, this is the bigger story. I want the bigger story. I think Miko Rantanen is finally getting his uh, recognition around the NHL. What makes you say that? Because I still have my doubts. Uh, I remember, I think it was Jackie Redmond that came out and actually like did this whole thing about how it was ridiculous that he didn't get named for the All-Star game. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a friend who is a hockey fan who texted me something along the lines during the offseason of like, Miko Rantanen strikes him as like the, 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 the extra piece of the Avalanche core, the piece that's not going to be around. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is like... Guy led the lead, led the team in points two years in a row. He led the forwards in points in the playoffs last year. Five goals, but twenty assists. Like Miko Rantanen's a huge part of this team, but nobody ever talks about him because you got Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr. Devontae's burst onto the scene and started to get that underrated until he became kind of overrated because he's talked about so much. Not literally overrated, but people started talking about him. Gabe Landeskog doesn't put up the same numbers as Miko, but Gabe Landeskog is everyone's favorite respected captain in the NHL, it seems like nowadays. So Miko was kind of the lost piece of that entire thing. Yesterday, or not yesterday, on Saturday against the Ottawa Senators, Miko Rantanen scored his 29th goal in 41 games. He broke Joe Sackick's record from 1996, the first year this team was in existence. He broke the uh, Sackick's record, and it's a franchise record, so it includes the Nordiques, of reaching 29 goals at the halfway mark. No Avalanche player has ever scored 29 goals halfway through a season. So he did that. I think he's starting to get the recognition around the NHL of being one of the better goal scorers. Uh, the recognition of the, around the NHL being one of the more skilled and, and offensively producers uh, among wingers. Uh, I, that sentence sounded terrible, <laughs> but you get what I mean. I think Miko Rantanen, and if he's not getting the recognition around the league, my biggest surprise and my biggest takeaway is Miko Rantanen has taken the next step. Whatever he was doing last year, the year before, the three years prior when he was already a stud of a forward, he has taken that next step this year, both offensively, defensively, and the biggest one for me, leadership. Miko is a big part of this team, and that's my biggest storyline this year. No, I like it. And w would you agree with me to say that December was perhaps one of the uglier months we've seen from the Avalanche? 100%. In the month of December, Miko Rantanen still had 16 points, and that was at the point where Nathan that's McKinnon wild. was out of and the 11, lineup. And 11 goals there, right? 11 goals, yep. 5 assists. Um, you know, with Nathan McKinnon out of the lineup, Nachushkin coming back and then coming back out of the lineup. Landis so Gog hasn't played. For a second, Miko Rantanen was the only weapon, along with Kale McCarr, of course, but among the forwards, he was the only weapon, the only one that seemed to want to produce, to con consistently produce. Um, interestingly enough, today he went pointless. Yeah. Um, but, no, he's been fantastic this year, and I'm glad that he's finally getting some recognition, but I still don't think it's quite at the level he deserves. It'll get there. When he hits 50 goals which I think he will this year. He needs 21 more in the next 40, 40 games, 21 goals in 40 games. Piece of, piece of cake for someone like Miko, um, assuming he plays all 40, knock on wood. Uh, I think he'll get the recognition because hitting 50 is a big deal in the NHL. How surprised were you by Evan Rodriguez's fit with the team, right? Such a late addition in the offseason and then squeaks in. I know we touched on it earlier in the show, but 
just the way he was able to almost seamlessly come in and produce and be a playmaker and demonstrate that high hockey IQ that he has almost immediately. I mean, I think I was pretty amazed. That's that's my surprise. Yeah, he's he's been incredible. Look, Evan Rodriguez, when he got here, I believe he was pointless in his first four games. So he wasn't much of a, you know much of a piece there. Yeah. In his last right. 26 games, 10 goals, 11 assists. If you extrapolate that over a full season, Evan Rodriguez, and you know it's it's crazy to say in his last 26, but let's say in an easier way. Take out the first four games he played with the Avalanche and extrapolate the rest of his 26 games over a full season. Evan Rodriguez is a 64 point forward. He had 43 last year, sure, but. You know, he did play a lot of minutes on the top six when Malkin and, and Crosby were injured and then went down the depth chart as they got healthy. But I think it's a little bit different with the Avalanche this year because if the Avs go out and acquire another forward at the deadline, a top six forward, let's say, like a second-line center, Erod is on your third line. But he's on your third line with guys like Comfort. He's on your third line with guys like Newhook. And he's still going to be a big part of the power play. And most importantly, my favorite part about Jared Bednar, last year when Pittsburgh got their, their forwards back in the fold, Late in the season and in the playoffs, when things weren't going right, they shuffled among the top six. Jared Bednar, if you have seven healthy forwards and Erod is your seventh most important forward, when things don't go well, he's going to mix things up. And because of what we've seen the last couple of weeks, he's going to put Erod with McKinnon. He's going to put him with with uh, with someone like Miko. He's going to give him an opportunity to get back in the top six where basically what I'm getting at is even as a top six even with a top six that's fully healthy and Rodriguez on your third line, he still strikes me as a 45 to 50 point guy, which again, goes to our conversation. Would you rather have him or JT this summer? Again, it's a debate to have food for thought for our listeners. We'll tackle that in a couple of weeks, but I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely like over the moon happy with the fit that this guy has been this year um, because he's been incredible. And actually I was a little bit wrong because I didn't take into account only a little bit. I was a little bit wrong because I didn't take into account his two assists today. So in his last 27 games, he's got 23 points. And if you extrapolate that over a full season, it's 69. Dang, look at that math. You did nice. that with no pen or paper. 23. I can vouch. I love my math, but 69 <laughs> points. Very nice. Yeah, I mean, his ability to move the puck is obviously his strength, but he's also not shy to put the puck on the net. And that's what I love about him, right? He's not like the Alex Kerfoot problem that we had where it's like, shoot the puck, man. Yeah. You had it wide open. Why are you still passing it? He doesn't have that issue. So just uh, a testament to how well he thinks the game. And who was who was Kerfoot before Kurt Kerfoot got here for the Avalanche in terms of not shooting the damn puck when he had a chance? Alex Tangay. Alex freaking Tangay, who just came back as an assistant coach of the Detroit Red Wings. Still a weird thing for me. My favorite thing about Tangay, in 2014-15, he played 80 games with the Avalanche. He had 104 shots, which is nothing for 80 games as a top six forward. 22 goals. The dude shot 21%. Yeah. That is still the most fascinating thing. Again, if, if, you don't, if you can't think in your head what it means for a player to shoot 21%, Empty net goals aside, because that'll skew the numbers, that means goaltenders that faced a shot from Alex Tanga had a combined 790 save percentage. Like, it's just wild. So, it's just, I always love looking at numbers like that, because that's the kind of guy Tanga was. He that was, was his later like years, that. too. Like, yeah, I mean, in 2007 with Calgary, he shot 20% on 107 shots in a full season. With the Avalanche in 04, he shot 21% on 117 shots. In 06, his last year with the Avalanche, he scored 29 goals. On 125 shots, he shot 23%. The dude was just bonkers with the shooting percentage. But you don't see that from someone like Rodriguez. When he's got an opportunity to put the puck on goal, he will, and he scores goals or generates good opportunities. 
It was good to see Alex Tangay today. I know Loved it's it. totally I know it's with the Red Wings logo, but yeah. it's still cool. Yeah. Dude, today's just been like a whole a whole merry go round of like you know, child nostalgia. There was uh in the hallway when I came out, for example. Well, first when I got here early on, uh, you know, walk by Adam Foot, go into the media lounge, Chris Osgood is sitting there with all the Red Wing guys. He's like, Whoa, those are two big names. I got a what's up from Nikola Jokic, which was cool because the Nuggets <laughs> were here practicing during the day. So yeah, I heard he was, he was a big part of the Avs Wings rivalry too. <laughs> uh but after the first period, I came out into the hallway and Chris Osgood and Adam Foot both wearing their headsets because they're both TV guys now, sitting by the coffee, chatting it up, talking hockey, just good buddies with a couple of other guys. And then I came out and I saw Connor McGahey was standing with Alan Roach. And I looked at Connor and I said, this whole professional friendship that Osgood and Foot got going on over there, like is never not going to look weird to me. And McGahey was like, no, 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 it's not a friendship. They still, you know, McGahey's trying to <laughs> rile up the <laughs> rivalry. To admit it. And I'm just like, it's so weird. And I'm like, Sackick's right there and Eisenman's right there. Tangay's behind the bench. He was like, well, yeah, Osgood was sitting with Eric Lacroix earlier. And like, we're just like mentioning all these players and like the weird, you know, uh, you know, nostalgia going back to the rivalry. And Alan Roach is sitting right behind us laughing. Ha, ha, ha. Like, just like, you know, because he's, he's remembering it too. And, you know, for those that don't know him by name, Alan Roach is the PA announcer guy that screams avalanche goal after every goal. So he's sitting there, like, just laughing at it because he's hearing all these names. And, you know, he was part of it more than I was part of it, obviously. Uh, so it's just a whole weird nostalgic effect that I always love when the Red Wings and the Avalanche get together. I'll tell you, when the uh, Avs fans got a solid the Red Wings suck chant going, it, it brought a smile to my face. <laughs> it's something they still will do. I never hear Avalanche suck chants in, uh, in Detroit. It's really strange. <laughs> I think over there they're like, eh, we don't care. But over here we're like, no, we do. Fuck these we'll never guys. let go. Yeah, basically. Moving on with the conversation on the uh, halfway point of the season. Let's get to disappointments. What's What have been some of your biggest disappointments from the year now that we got to the positivity? Today has been all glitter and sunshine, positive after wins. So it's nice different pace from us, but yeah. we got to get to some negativity here. Okay, good last couple games aside uh, because hopefully he builds on it. Alex Nohook's inability to take the next step. And notice I didn't say not his inability to take the next step and become the number two centerman. But his inability to take the next step in general, because he had 33 points in 71 games last year. And you're saying to yourself, you want Newhook to take that next step. We talked in the offseason about brainstorming. Maybe he does that Tyler Sagan thing, uh, jumps up to like a 60-point forward, second-line center, 21, 22 years old. That's your top six guy. He obviously didn't do that. But on top of not doing that, uh, Alex Newhook just doesn't even look as good offensively as he did a year ago through the first 41 games. And... He's on pace for right around that same 30 to 35 point mark as last year, but he's on pace for that over 82 games. Last year, he did it in 71. Ideally, you want Newhook to end the season with a good, respectable 45-ish points, 50 points to really take that next step from last year and build on it some more, unless he's a trade chip. We'll see. Um, but the big one for me is not only Newhook not being able to be the second line center, he's been passed up by someone like Evan Rodriguez if the Avalanche were healthy and even JT Comfort. But it's his, been his inability through the first 41 games to become, you know, a better forward than he was a year ago. It's just about consistency for him, right? I mean, he shows spurts. He shows little minutes of greatness. And, you know, in the offseason, I was super high on the way he plays because I think he has that goal-scoring knack. He just knows how to bury the puck in tough situations better than other people do. You just haven't seen it this year on a consistent basis you see it here and there you see it one every 10 games 
the guy's got to figure out to bring it every single night. And not that he's not bringing the effort, not that he's not playing well. He just needs to bring that point production if that's the type of player he's going to be, right? So it's got to start now, and um, I'm not sure exactly what he needs to tweak or what he needs to fix. Perhaps it's just familiar familiarity. You know, I remember going into the season, you said there's zero chance he has a sophomore slump because sophomore slumps usually happen to guys who pop off big during their first season. But perhaps yeah. it is simply just a sophomore slump. So I, I don't know what, what to think. I think more time will be beneficial for him. But I still am not anywhere close to ready to give up on Alex Newman. Yeah. Do you remember what Jared Bednar said about him following the Ottawa game? No. He said this Wait, is, yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. He said this is the best game he I was gonna say you were there. Yeah. <laughs> this is the best game he's seen Alex Newhook play in his career. And he said, yeah. I gotta go back and cut the tape and I wanna make sure that I cut the tape and, and, and double check that. And then yesterday at practice on, on Sunday, the day after the Ottawa game, somebody in the media room asked Jared again. Did you get a chance to cut the tape on Alex Newhook and really verify that this was his best game? And he said, Yeah, this was the best game I've ever seen play in an Avalanche uniform. So that's what game forty one was. So take that into the second half of the season. He wasn't as good today against Detroit, but take that into the second half of the season. You will see Alex Newhook pop off uh, as long as, you know, assuming they don't trade him, which I know I keep saying that as if there's like an actual speculation he's being traded. I'm not, uh, but you never know with this team. So like big things coming for Alex Newhook, I think. We also said the same thing in September, but that's been probably my biggest disappointment is the, the inability for him to take that big next step. Yeah, just got to be a little bit more consistent for him. As I'm getting a call here on a podcast. Come on, people. Um, my biggest disappointment of the year is Ben Myers. Or if I yeah. think, you know, looking at what he did last year and those, what did he get, what did he get nine? Did, did he get to nine right before his ELC like got five, burnt? Five games. Five? His he ELC showed, was burned regardless because of his age. But he oh, played, true, he true, played true. five games and that. had a goal in his, in his opening game. True that, true that. Well, we've seen pretty much nothing from him this year. Yeah. Well, I think he had a goal early on in the season. And since then, we're just waiting for him to make a break an impact. I mean, even an impact is all I'm asking for, right? I'm not asking for hat tricks. I'm not asking for four-point nights like Nathan McKinnon had tonight. I'm just acting, asking for a little bit of an impact, be noticeable out there, not just dump the puck, chase it deep, do a little battling in the corner and get off the ice. And I feel like that's all I really see from Ben Myers. He battles hard. Yeah. But he, he almost plays too safe of a game for me. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that, and, and it has been a little bit of a dud. This, is, this was the guy, if you remember, when he was signed, it was kind of out of the blue. And for weeks, there was a lot of hype, because I'm not going to pretend I watched him in college, but there was a lot of hype around this college free agent, free agent named Ben Myers, and he's going to sign with Minnesota. That's his home state. It's his hometown. And then the Avalanche came out out of nowhere and signed him. And I remember specifically Jeff Merrick, who's a big prospects guy and a big college and junior hockey guy, coming out and saying the Avalanche struck gold. They, they hit a home run here getting this guy, especially given the fact that Kadri and Burakovsky are up at the offseason. We've seen college free agents come in and do what they can do. Will Butcher left the Avalanche, signed with New Jersey. He scored 40-plus points in his first year. Well, when he left to New Jersey, the Avalanche did the same thing to one of New Jersey's prospects in, in Alex Kerfoot. Signed him, brought him here. He had 43 points. And then they ended up turning that into Nazem Kadri later on with Tyson Berry. So, you know, I know it's, it's, it's hard to say, like, Ben Myers is his first year coming out of college. But we've seen college free agents do it. And I'm not saying Ben Myers is going to be a bust for his career. But this season, it's been a massive disappointment for him, given the opportunity he's gotten. Given the opportunity he could have had this entire season and relished, given Landis Cog's injury, given Nichushkin's long-term injuries, uh, McKinnon out of the lineup for a while, Rodriguez in and out of the lineup. He really had an opportunity to come out and do what Alex Kerfoot did in his rookie season. 
and be a 30, 40, 50 point guy or right around there. And there was a ton of ice time available for him and he was unable to take advantage of it. Not yet, at least. I know you're obsessed with Val and Mini Val. I'm going to go ahead and call Ben Myers a mini Logan O'Connor, right? And that's kind of his problem is there's already one of him in the lineup. And not only that, Logan O'Connor knows how to do things just a pinch better. So yeah, um, I, I, I'm not sure. I think he's got to figure out a way to get on some penalty kill minutes and, you know, just to up his time on ice a he's, little bit. And he's supposed to be an offensive guy. That's the big thing here. He's supposed to be an offensive guy, and he's obviously not been that. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know what he's got to do differently, but I think if he can somehow emulate Logan O'Connor and be a lot more like him, having two Logan O'Connors in the lineup would be fantastic. But again, it's kind of tough having two guys that have almost very similar uh, traits and skills to play them both in the same lineup. So we'll see where that goes. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see his game at least pick up a little bit. Um, what else do we got to get to here? What about just storylines? I know we've got some surprises, disappointments. What have just been your favorite things to keep an eye on from a journalistic perspective this year? Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the easy one for you because I think we both have one that we're thinking of uh, storylines for the Avalanche this season. Surprise, surprise! Every listener's thinking about it, but I'm gonna go with goaltending uh, simply because. Alexander Georgiev, look, that was a big topic of conversation over the summer. The fact that the Avalanche let Darcy Kemper go, the fact that they went out and traded for Georgie well before free agency. It's a gamble, for sure. It was a massive gamble, and Georgie came out guns blazing. He was so good. And then you started to see, I'm going to call it a mental fatigue, because we don't know for sure he was physically fatigued, but we started to see that mental fatigue start to kind of take do its thing, given the amount of hockey that he needed to play and the amount of hockey that he played with Frankie's injury and before that to the point where, you know, they needed to sit him for a couple games and it was for, for good reason. Uh, the Avalanche let Darcy Kemper go. Darcy Kemper's got four shutouts this season. He's a 918 save percentage, 12, 11, and four. I know the record's not great, but Washington was terrible in October, November, and he's picked it off big time. Uh, four shutouts. He's been unbelievable. He's been really good lately. Uh, and that's coming off of two bad games because he was well above 920. Georgie, on the other hand, he's a 914, 16, 11, and 3. So he's still got a good record. He's got a decent save percentage, but you want to see that number rise. But the big storyline for me is goaltending as, in general, as a whole. Not only did the Avalanche let their starter go that won him the cup, but they went out and signed somebody who had, you know, prior to this season, never played more than, never made more than 32 starts in a season. He's already at 30, and he was at 30 through 39 games. So he's going to hit that 32 really soon. He's never played more than 34 games in general. In relief, not in relief, he's going to hit that number really soon. So the big story for me has been goaltending between that and Frankie's ability to kind of be that backup goalie that you want him to be. That's been one of the biggest storylines for the Avalanche. And to be honest with you, I think it's been okay. But it could be better, and I think it will be. If you've listened to our podcast in the past, you've heard us talk about Georgiev's standard for himself and how he holds a high bar, right? He, yeah. he keeps... He keeps it high. So I think having this break, to just like the rest of the team, to stop overthinking, to yeah. stop thinking about what you need to tweak, what you need to do better, and just sit back and take a, take a breather and get back to just playing your game. I think that's all he needed to do. And I have a good feeling that this little small rest that he's had these last couple games are going to be huge for him coming up here in the next uh couple games sorry i'm getting distracted by this game yeah i know me too um, um no no and and the biggest thing for me for that is not only is it going to be good for him to get back in the lineup and not feel as stressed as he was before but let's say he starts the next game wednesday in calgary big game given the standings right now but 
to come back into the lineup knowing that the team feels loose. They've won their last two. They scored 13 damn goals. It's going to feel so much better for him than if they had lost these two games of him sitting. Yeah. You remember when Austin Powers lost his three mojo? Games, three games. Yeah. And then he got it back. How yeah. good he felt. That's where the Avalanche are I keep forgetting. Right he's, he's sat three straight games, not two, because he also sat the Chicago game. Austin Powers? Oh, Georgia. No, no, Georgia. The, uh, the goalie, not the other guy. Uh, not okay. Mike Myers. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously the, the biggest storyline for me, I guess, just has simply been the injuries, right? The way the Avalanche have navigated their way through this, both good and bad. I mean, there was a stretch there where we're like, how are they squeaking out these wins? I don't yeah. understand. And then two weeks A lot weeks of that later, had to do with the goaltending, by the way. Absolutely, absolutely. And then two weeks later, we're like, how are they so bad? I don't understand. <laughs> the um, goaltending stopped playing good. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, still waiting to see kind of the way they – keep the comeback coming right with the guys stepping back in the lineup Val Nachushkin just today and um, you saw the world of difference it made for the team and not only from a, a X's and O's standpoint but from a morality standpoint so as they continue to trickle in hopefully uh, just things keep improving and we only go up from here yeah Darren Helm is a little bit of a concern right now but yep. Landeskog, Byram, Manson, those are three big names, but you can already see with that addition of Nichushkin and Rodriguez's addition the other day that the team is starting to feel a lot more whole than it has been for the last couple months, and the additions of those other guys will only help elevate it from there. Manson's so close, too. That guy's so, so close. close. He's going to be such a big... I, I often forget about him. I really genuinely do. And I, he's such a big piece. I loved the other day after uh, the 7 nothing shutout win for Frankie, uh... Josh Manson took a second to come in the locker room only to say good job to Frankie and he turned around and left. Love that. Right? So, so cool. It, it, was a, it was a great moment. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, about all we have for today. Great to get the Avalanche back on the wind track and, uh, yeah, we'll see how they do in this upcoming little road trip. Yeah, it's going to be a big one. Calgary on Wednesday and then I will be in Vancouver and Seattle uh, for the last two games of that road trip, two cities I've never been to. Uh, Vancouver is going to be a big one for the Avalanche because that's a game you got to win. And then Seattle's a team that, despite losing to Tampa Bay today 4-1, to has been on a heater lately, and you want to see how you do against a team like that. And that doesn't even take into account that Calgary's in that wildcard position. They're one of the teams you're chasing. You're four points back, I believe it is. And then you have Vancouver, who's also on a win streak. Yeah, but it's also Vancouver, and they have a whole other mess. If you've been reading any of the Jim Rutherford tweets today, woof. There's a that's a train wreck waiting to happen. Maybe you can uh, put Bo Horvat in your pocket on, or in your luggage bag on your way out and bring him with you. But uh, it might cost you an Alex Newhook. So I don't know if that's the trade you want to make. But regardless, <laughs> three big games coming. I'll be there for two of them, and it's it's. I'd it's, say four big games. Oh no, three, three, three. Those are the three. <laughs> those I are the three big them. ones. Yeah, and uh, and then when you come back here in a week from tomorrow, you got the Capitals. But that's that's later. Right now, you got Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. You got three games and four nights. Where the Avalanche sit a week from today is going to be very, very vital for this team. If they can win two or three of these games, it's going to be huge. Yep. Yep, two's the goal, in my opinion. Two's the goal if you can walk away with two wins. Fuck it. Take three. Tough, tough road Go trip. Go with though. all three. Tough road trip, and you know that's the uh, objective at hand. You're going to have a much better chance against Calgary than you did the second game of the season. We talked about mm -hmm. that in length. Mm -hmm. And then you beat Vancouver. You got to beat Vancouver. No excuses. I know we've said that before, and there's no bad games in the NHL, no bad teams, but you got to win that game. And then you suddenly enter Seattle. I know it's a back-to-back, -back, but you got two good goalies, and you're feeling so damn good about yourself. Winners of four straight, and, and you, you got to have going. You got to have redemption on your mind, right? Seattle yeah. came here early in the season into Ball you. Arena and beat you three-two. Yeah, and and uh, Calgary, obviously, you've been there before and you've lost there. So two very, three very big games here coming up. 
Cool. Well, that'll do it from a somewhat empty ball arena. Yeah. Except for the, the old guys on the ice. Good to see some of the alumni out there still burying some goals, making some plays. But thanks for hanging out with us throughout this podcast and throughout the first half of the season. we got a whole second half of the season still to go. So, we sure um, do. If you made it this far on the podcast, bless your pretty little heart. Let's make hockey for everyone. We out you.